We're back. We're back for a bit more uh, Near Ayal Indistractable. Near Ayal Indistractable. So this is episode two of a four-part series on the book Indistractable by Near Ayal. How to control your attention and choose your life. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. Um, I thought last week we had a really fascinating show about this. We did, let's be clear about the book, right? The book is to work on a component of what I think makes a good salesperson. That ability to focus. Yeah. And it's got, I mean, I was a bit critical of it last week, but not too critical. I think it's a good book and it's got some good stuff in it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the parts that we're covering this week is part three and part four. Part three is hacking back internal triggers, which I think this is a really very, very practical uh, chapter. And part four, which is very practical about practical about preventing distraction with pacts. Okay. So we're going to cover those parts today. Next week, we'll finish off the book because um, there's bits about raising indestructible kids and raising indestructible families. And then we will interview Nir Ayal as the fourth show, which means that there will only be four shows in this five-week cycle unless we can bring one of our other authors forward by week. But that's not your listeners' problem. So part three, he talks about hacking back external triggers. Let's just remember what a trigger is though, right? Yeah, so go on, give the audience a... So a trigger, as it it sounds really, is something that will interrupt you and then make you do something else. It's something that will interrupt you, which you allowed you to then do something else. Yes, that's that's worded more correctly. Yes. Chapter 13 is called Ask the Critical Question. Now, he uses a lot of examples here, which is fine. His example is Wendy sitting down to do some work, her phone pinged, and it broke her concentration, etc., etc. Yes. Then what I wrote, Jonathan, is the next line. I don't know if you can read my writing. It says, people are weak. (laughs) All right, sociopath Mike. Um, it, he talks about the bright red notification bubble over the uh, over LinkedIn. Oh, he talks about, you know, um, the fact that your phone makes a ping or whatever. Yeah. You know, Facebook's first president, Sean Parker, admitted that when he described how the social network was designed to manipulate your behaviour, Parker said, it's a social validation feedback loop. Exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with because we're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. I.e., it pings, we look... We look. It's like Pavlov's dogs, isn't it? Yes, we all we all turn into these silly little Pavlovian dogs, responding to and, it, and that whole the whole thing. What people don't realise, and it's probably worth reading Nir Isle's first book about called Hooked. Is you know when like for example you scroll down on on Facebook and you pull your thumb down on the page on your on your phone, it's designed to make you do that. Well, yeah, obviously. Because that in and of itself, that pulling down of the thumb and then watching the spinning wheel, hoping that some new interesting cat video is going to turn up or a dog on roller skates or whatever the hell it may be. It's designed to make you scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll by clever, clever people who are brilliant psychologists. Yep, And I think most people, Joe Public have no idea how deeply they're being manipulated. Definitely don't. They've no idea. 
And you know, we get the, the, the cybersecurity boys are all like, oh yeah, it's vulnerability. But actually most people have no idea quite how clever some of these developers are. Like your cybersecurity voice. Uh, so what he talks about is what this thing called the fog model, that a be, for a behaviour to occur, brackets B, three things must be present at the time. Motivation, ability and trigger. Correct. B equals MAT. I like it. And motivation is the energy for action. So he says, when a person has sufficient motivation and ability, they're primed to behave in a particular way. However, without the critical third com- component, the behaviour will not occur. A trigger to tell us what to do next is always required. And he said, much of our struggle with distraction is a struggle with external triggers. But what I'm pleased about is the book isn't just about external triggers. Yeah, I absolutely and agree. He, and, and that he has talked a lot about these internal intrinsic triggers. Um, I tell you it's interesting. He said, receiving a notification and not replying is nearly as distracting as an act as as actually, actually looking at it. Yeah. So it's a, a study published by the Journal of Experimental Psychology, Human Perception and Performance found receiving a cell phone notification but not replying to it was just as respond, just as distracting as responding to a message or call. Similarly, the authors of a study conducted at the University of Texas at Austin proposed that the mere presence of one's smartphone may impose a brain drain as limited capacity attentional resources. So what he's saying is that the fact that your phone is there is using up what David Allen, who is coming on the show, uh, author of Getting Things Done, would refer to as mental RAM. It's taking up, I think the phrase we use in the modern world is bandwidth. Well, it obviously is, isn't it? Just its presence. Well, it doesn't to me, actually. I just ignore it. Well, no, and it's unfair because you and I, are, for you I and me, it. our phone's the most essential piece of kit we own and we're, we're on them all the time because we're ringing people from our mobiles. Yeah, yeah. I like this question that he says. He says, is the trigger serving me or am I serving it? Yes. Good question, that. So when the trigger happens, am I serving it or is it serving me? Because there are obviously some triggers that are going to serve you. Correct. That are going to be good things to happen. So so if the phone rings and I look down and it's sat Nayadella, I think, well, I'm going to ignore him because who's he? And that trigger's taught me something, hasn't it? Whereas actually if the phone, the text message goes... And it takes my attention, but it's something of no interest. That it's not serving me. Correct. So then he actually explains how to do this. Now, can you remember... Are we about chapter 14? Chapter 14, Hacking Back Work Interruptions. Now, it's great, this book and everything, but I've got to be honest, near... I'm 10 fucking years ahead of you, mate. 10 years ago, 8 years ago, 7 years ago, give me 7. You're about the hat. I walked into the office with a box of hats. What did it say on the hats, Pricey? It said, do not disturb. But... Do not disturb. Because I felt that people were distracting each other all the time and nobody was getting focused work done. Nobody was getting on a roll. But I don't like that. Tell you why. So so just to read the book properly. So, so, so Nir says you can download a sheet from his... Um, uh, his website, whatever, that you can stick on the side of your computer that says, I'm doing work, please don't talk to me, basically. He says his wife has bought this super fancy hat that she wears so that she knows she can't be distracted. Yeah. I'll just I tell you three reasons that that isn't right. One, it's pompous. Two, it's and not... that's more about your ego than actually the practicality of the idea. Two, it's just not a human thing to do. And three, it's up to the respondents say, listen, I'm really sorry, I just can't talk to you about that now. But if I have to then say that to you, I've been distracted. I'm taken out it's of my zone. It's but you're a bright, intelligent man, no. Jonathan. You can get back into your zone. Yes, it's but, not that but the point is, Michael, actually, 
if there's a couple of other books, a book called Deep Work. I can't remember the author. I'll come. It will come back to me. The, the book Deep Work. In it, he talks a lot about actually. If I'm doing deep work, let's say I'm re- doing some research on a project because I can't be asked to delegate, as we have discussed recently. I'm doing some research on a project, and you disrupt me for a minute, and I stop and turn around to you and say, "Pricey, I'm really sorry. I'm just a bit busy at the moment." That's enough to take me out of my deep work. Well, place. I think you know. And the, then apparently it takes about 10 minutes to get back into true... I just don't believe that. It does. I just They're don't f- believe that. that. So fact. your research at your desk, so you've got a page of LinkedIn in front of you, probably. Yeah. And you're looking at Bill, looking at his back, going, going yeah, add him to project. But then that's you go, not that deeper work, is it? That's my point. So that's distractible work. So some work is distractible. But, I, but that's my point. Because I can do that on autopilot. But that's why this is pompous. Because Why? actually, Nate Ayal, who's writing a book, yeah, all right, it's a good book and everything. Don't talk to me. I can't spare a moment of you talking to me. I'm writing a really important book. Whatever. Get a grip I of yourself. don't agree. Do you not think the great writers have worked in deep focus, in flow? No. And I'll tell you what's more important is, we are salespeople who I sit in a sales office. Yes, well, that, that is, I think that there is a point on that, which is there is an element, and he talks about that, about creating the right work culture. My mate, who used to work at BT, who worked there for about, well, he worked for a company that got bought by BT. Remember when we worked at Emis and we got told off for being noisy? Oh, that was rubbish. Emis, we were told off for being noisy at Emis because we I mean, were what? in sales. No, how pompous, and that's a problem with it. It's not like some of our clients, you've got a client um, that do something around... Uh, data, manipulating data, where they charge a bucket load of money and all the rest of it. They've got a glass room for the data scientists. Now, now they, they, now they, they a, need they to be They have quiet. a room that is soundproofed for the data scientists. Now they so need, that the sales guys don't disturb Now, I think that if we went in and started hooning with them, they'd say, I'm going to be 10 minutes there. I'm sat here doing really complex maths. Because I've just been reading 10 yeah, lines of stuff. And, I'm doing ridi- and now I've got to go back and read the bloody top I'm doing ridiculously again. complex maths that you will never, ever but understand. But I think the vast majority yeah. of people... They don't do deep work. When you're sitting there canvassing, are you telling me you can't talk to me? Because you can talk to me. When no, I'm but look- is that not because, Mike? When I'm looking at LinkedIn, whoa, 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 you tell you can't interrupt me. Of course you can. I don't care. Hold on a minute. If I'm sat there canvassing, for example, yeah. and I'm smashing my phone, of course I can talk to you. Why? Because we've been doing it for 20 years. And yeah, it's but, not using that much psychic RAM. But if you're sat there looking at LinkedIn, you tell me you can't talk to me. Of course you can. 100% yeah. you can. We don't do work that requires us to sit there with a flashing crown on our heads. I, I think I think 3% of society do that kind of work. What, truly, truly concentrating? I would imagine if, I would imagine if you're All right, well, you're what about there's certain things, for example, I do that are underneath the hood of the business? Right, do them at home. Don't come in Which the office. Which I do. Don't sit at your desk with a crown on, being pompous about it. Just stay at home. I'm using you as a metaphor, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Vu. Vu, yes. Vu not too, Rodney. Don't sit there, don't sit there. You know, with a crown, I've been pompous about it. Stay at home. Go home. Or go to the cafe next door and put your headphones on. But don't sit as a sales guy. No, I can't talk to you. I'm and that's too important. My, and that's sort of my problem with the book. A lot of it is practical. Yeah, you're not I actually do doing, think he takes it a bit too far. Do you not think it's brain surgery? Though, Correct. He's not a brain surgeon. And do you not think... He writes a book. Right. And your saying is, if you're some fellow and you're it. sat there working on a proposal at your desk... But the point is, actually, how many interruptions during the day mean that how many proposals aren't getting done? Do you know what? Do you know what I think? 
Do you know? No, I think I think people want to be distracted from their work. Because most of the work easily. they do is boring. Because, but Nair's point is, he would say, actually, the distraction is taking you away from the pain of doing your work. Correct. That's what he's saying. Correct. But do you know why? Who I blame, Pricey? No. Because everyone else is blaming. Margaret Thatcher. And everybody else is blaming them at the moment. Who? We work. So I might as well put the boot in and all. Why do you blame WeWork? I think that WeWork have created this pseudo-work culture across the working world that has seeped like a monster from a science fiction novel into the collective psyche of the working community. That it's cool to sit in an open-plan office and play ping-pong and have pizzas delivered and go downstairs and order a coffee from the in-house barista and... What do you mean, instead of doing work? Yes. Uh, you, we you work. Point. It should actually be called We Don't Really Work. <laughs> so we work, it we look forward. It should be actually called We Toss It Off. So let's send that to our... Yes, our lo- solicitors, <laughs> Legatus Law, Rashley <laughs> Dubay is our lawyer. Um, no, well, but seriously, I, I just think it's... There's almost this culture of as particularly driven by an economic thing where companies are so desperate to hire they've almost made it too cool to work in places instead of saying get your work done yeah i do agree with that so chapter 15 i didn't write the title down actually can you remember what a distraction our london office was i could never work out why they weren't making money there until one day as my father said to me you need to start going down at random mate and I went down at random one day and they all had beers on the tables at like two o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. Did they? Yeah. But that, that's destruction, isn't it? That's loads very, of gorgeous very looking London, girls, Loads of gorgeous looking girls walking around, free beer. How are you going to get any work done? Yeah, you got a point. So he, he's talking about hacking back work interruptions. He talks about putting a card on your monitor. You think that's pompous? I think it's ridiculous. Wearing a hat, you think that's pompous? Ridiculous. Oh, I didn't realise there was a picture of that. There's hat. a picture. I didn't realise there was a picture of the hat. <laughs> Who's that? Who's Mrs. That's clearly Mrs. Ayal um, wearing her, her digital crown that says, Don't interrupt me. But interruptions, he says, interruptions lead to mistakes. Open office floor plans increase distraction. They do. Defend your focus. Signal when you do not want to be interrupted. I think that's fair enough, Pricey. Well, I'm not, 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 not such a fan, actually. But remember, you and I have the freedom of if I, for example, got to go home and do a load of Salesforce admin work because we've decided to change a workflow. I can go home. I can go and sit I, I at the cafe down the street. Our clients and candidates can. They're just weak. They don't ask. Yeah. yeah. They I, don't I've go. I've got that free. They don't go, listen, listen boss, I know this is a Salesforce and stuff. I've just got to write something. Yeah. I'm going to work for them and get it done. All right. Yeah. Boss will go, yeah, down, fine. Heading down to the cafe down the street. Boss will go, yeah, fine. No problem. But a lot, of, a lot of them haven't ask. got the nerve to do it. Correct. Chapter 15, I don't know what it's Hacking called. back email. He says, email is a curse. Now, I know you've got different views on this because I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, at some point, you've got to check email because we've got customers and we're in the customer business. Yeah, I think I think often it's first first person to reply has a good chance of winning. Agreed. You know, whilst I didn't rate Amp Up Your Sales, he did say that, and I did agree with that. Agreed. So He's got the formula, which I liked. T- about t- about email, spent, yeah. Equals N times T, number of messages. Now, I think something that's interesting, Mike, is... I don't think you and I suffer from the email overload that some of the candidates we work with suffer. I think I, you know, I sometimes listen to my candidates and they go, oh yeah, I'm back from holiday, I've got 7,000 emails. When I get back from holiday, I've got about 20. Yeah, that's because I've read all your emails I know, but you know what you to me. whilst you're on holiday. But you know what I mean? I think people have this, I've got 3,000 emails in my inbox. It's like some weird badge of honour. Yeah, it's 
ridiculous. Uh, I actually did speak to a client who came back from his holiday to say there were 3,000 emails in his inbox when he got back. Badge of honour stuff. Just nonsense. 3,000? 3, 3,000. His job was still there. I hadn't fallen apart. The world hadn't blown up. So he I says a few like, really useful things. I do like, he says about... about to uh, receive fewer emails, we must send fewer emails. 100%. You know, you, you know my thought on that. I try not to send emails. I always spot people. Well, Lily will tell you she's getting used to this now. Um... She sometimes she'll have a question for me. Oh, can you tell me about this or can you tell me about that? And she'll be tempted to either send me a message in Teams or send me an email. And actually what we say is, don't do that. Write down a list of things you want to talk to me about. On a Wednesday morning, we'll go and get a cup of coffee. We'll sit down, we'll have a chat and we can cover all 10 things all at once when you've got my total and utter undivided attention. Yep. Whereas if you send me an email, I'll send you an RC answer Um because I'm in a hurry and I'm trying to plough through my email. If you send me a message in Teams, you probably misunderstand what I've said. I agree, 100%. I, and actually, that's a, that's an easy... You know, that comes back to Keith Rosen stuff in terms of basic management of people, doesn't it? Basic put management some time, in, time, put yeah. some time in your diary to talk to your people and then tell them, please make a list of things you want to talk to me about when we speak at 9.30 tomorrow. Now, we're definitely going to fall out about this next point. What is it, Pricey? Batch checking emails. We're not. Because I have, I have a revised view on batch checking of emails. Oh, because yes. for the listeners, I don't like it. So my, the reason Mike's going to say this is because I'm from a GTD school of time management. And in GTD, what David Allen will have you do is he says, you don't check your emails until a specific point in the day, at which point you open it up and you process it using a method called do, defer or delegate. Um, and Mike's point is that actually in a customer-based business that moves at the speed of light, you can't keep your Outlook inbox closed all day only to open it later on in the day yeah, and actually I totally agree with that um, what I do think is you have to be disciplined enough to only glance every now and then and actually what he's saying near IL is that you what you should be doing is actually glancing at agreed appointments with yourself times which you do do I do do that yeah so actually you time box when to check email and actually what you don't do is batch process but you time box and you go right 11.30 quickly check emails check Microsoft Teams then you turn Teams back off and emails on I only put Teams on twice a day actually yeah absolutely and I, I've been doing the same for about the last three months because actually it's very easy to get lost in it which we'll talk about in a minute um, but what most people do and I think most people in the world we live in do is they sit there all day in their outlook inbox often I think yeah yeah. and they work, they go home shattered exhausted, thinking they've worked hard, having achieved nothing. One day closer to getting fired for not hitting target. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely right, yeah. Oh, surprised me, I thought we'd have a, lot, a fallout over that. Do you know sure. one of the best tools for email? He talks about, uh, he, oh God, he talks, he mentions a book, uh, an app here called Superhuman, which I think is preposterous and I will bring him up on this. Firstly, Superhuman is invitation only. Right. <laughs> pompous. Yeah, you have to be invited to be a superhuman How customer. pompous. It's pompous just to tell people that you're a superhuman customer. It's a real Californian, Silicon Valley, badge of honour bullshit thing to say you use superhuman for your email. Right? So one, it's invitation only. <laughs> Inviter, I have actually funny. been invited, Pricey. Oh, good. But I, I am not a su- by superhuman because I asked for an invite. Oh, you have to ask them for Oh, an fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it it's, sounds like the Masons. But... but um, not only is it is superhuman by invite only, but it's only for Gmail users, because, hey, Gmail's cool, man. And B... Um, <laughs> you, you don't like this, do you? And B, it's 
36 pounds a month for an email client. And you know I'm frivolous, Pricey. Yeah. But even I'm like, you want £36 a month for an email client when Microsoft Office 365 is about a tenner, plus a couple of add-ons that I use to keep my workflow going. But on that basis, he talks about how SumaHuman's brilliant and you can tag each email as today or this week and all that. There's one tool I use in uh, Outlook that is killer, and that is Clutter. Turn it on. Settings. Turn on clutter. Oh, I always use that, yeah. It filters the shit emails. Oh, yeah, And yeah. then when you see a shit email, like I, I get... Sure, I've got to be careful because we do send quite a bit of email marketing. Um, but when you get an email that is a bit shitty and you think, I never want to see that again, you can either A, unsubscribe, or B, right-click and send it mark as spam and you will never see it again because those nice folks at Microsoft will ensure that you don't. Absolutely agree, Johnny. Yes, good. So I'm sort of in with this because he's right. You've got to hack back your email. And he says, checking email isn't the problem. It's the habitual rechecking that gets us into trouble. And rightly so, you block it out of your diary. But <sighs> superhuman, come on, man. So chapter 16, Mike, hacking back group chats. Yeah, I mean, we've covered a lot of this anyway, really. Yeah. When we're talking about the email. But what's interesting about this is, so we use Microsoft Teams. Yeah. And I do like Microsoft Teams. I think what that is very good for is talking about is talking about a project specific. So, so I often work with Jose and Laura. They're they're my team, really, Jose and Laura. And just to explain for our listeners, they're both totally remote workers. They never, ever, ever come to the office. Correct. Never. Yeah, absolutely. We, ne- we never physically. But I've kicked work up a project this morning. I've created a fi- I've created a plan in Teams. Created a channel. Create a channel. Jose needs to do a load of stuff. Yeah. Then Laura needs to do a load of yep. stuff. Then I need to do a load of stuff. Talk, chatted to them both about it. It's all good. Whereas what I do think happens a little bit, and it happened with chitter, Slack, chitter. and particularly in Salesforce chatter, which is general chatter. Rubbish. Went for your lunch. What? <laughs> and that's what Neil Al's talking about. Correct. He also makes a very good point. He says... We were got, just saying before when we were off air for a second... That Slack's almost a lifestyle brand. It's almost a lifestyle brand. Well, it thing. goes with WeWork and Starbucks and blah de blah and all it's those. It's almost brands. A, a lifestyle brand thing to just sit there on Slack all day. Yeah, I'm on Slack and I'm sat in WeWork with my beer at my desk. It's pseudo work. I'm, I'm working hard, but actually I'm doing pseudo work. And actually, WeWork aren't making any money, and I'm not either. <laughs> Good, right? WeWork definitely come gunning for us now. Well, they can't because they've got out of money. <laughs> <laughs> He's got four rules for um, for group chat. Use it like a sauna. I like that. Yeah, take your clothes off. Uh, schedule time. No, just explain you... what he means. That treat chat like a sauna. Stay a while and then get out. It's unhealthy to stay too long. Yeah, exactly. so right. Schedule time in your diary. I must say, I I I, um, I only go in it twice a day. Well, it's part of your process. You do it at the same time that you process your email. You process your messages. Yeah, I do. well, I process that in my LinkedIn inbox because my LinkedIn inbox gets so full. Yeah. That I don't look at that all the time. Yeah. Um, he says, be picky, don't include everyone on the chat. Agreed. But my wife volunteers stroke works at a school. And I've, never, I've, never, I've obviously never seen her emails, but, I'll say, but she'll say how many emails she gets. And she says most of them, she's just it's copied them. She's CC'd on shite. She's CC'd yeah. on ones that, that just literally have no value to her at all. And I'm sure that happens in a lot of... Um, Do you know what I think the killer app is in all of these chat apps? What? I think the killer app in all of these chat apps is the telephone button and the video button and the ability to schedule meetings. 
Uh, I like I like working around projects in the match day as well. Yeah, but for me, do you know, the, for me, the killer app is the ability to have a group chat and then to go, oh, right, uh, we're hitting a snagging point and to just put an appointment in everybody's diary for 9.15 the next morning and to do a quick 10-minute call with the other two participants on the project and then go, oh, yeah, right, do you understand that now? Yeah, I do, great. Talking to people. Absolutely, I completely agree. I'd rather do that than email. Yeah, just put 10 minutes in the diary and we'll sort it out. And lo and behold, shit gets sorted out a lot quicker than it would have got sorted out if you if you start. I always I always phone a client to start with. Me obviously yeah. can't always get hold of them. Anyway, chapter seventeen. It's talking about hack. Uh, it says hack back meetings. I really think that we are in a meeting culture that just drives me insane. Yeah, but you and I, we're very lucky as a business. Well, we, we do very few meetings. But you know, you talk to some. I'll talk to some of my candidates and stuff. You know, particularly we the probably ones don't have enough meetings. Particularly the ones that work for the big software vendors. Everyone's always in a meeting. Well, they're always on a they're always on a on a on a on a, um, a projection call, and oh, they'll talk about this. this they'll talk insane. about like where there's like fifty people, and they're talking for a, you know two minutes, and they've got to listen to another hour's worth of calls. When, oh, what on earth? How often do you ring a candidate or a client, and they'll and you'll go, you're right to talk, and they'll go, well, I'm on a conference call, but don't worry, go ahead. Lots, yeah. And you're like, what do you mean? And they go, oh, God, it's the weekly forecast. Come on. Everybody has to go through what the pipeline is, but it has absolutely no value to my life or anybody else's. And we all have to spend three hours sitting in the call 50 years. Yeah. And then the sale. And, and, and you know what? The companies do it because it thinks it, it holds the individuals to accountability. But actually, the individuals couldn't care less. No, they're just sat there thinking, I'll get lost, mate. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's taking up X many hours. I, I like his idea. Meeting organisers must submit an agenda. I don't like a meeting without an agenda, actually. No. And that's even a customer meeting. Always, even always, customer That's meeting. a customer I meeting. Always set a customer it meeting. needs to be, this is what we are talking about. Uh, it then talks about people on their devices during the meetings. Agreed completely. And about being Well, present. he talks later in the book about fubbing people. Phone snubbing. How often, how often do you sit in a meeting and somebody's fubbing you? Well, not very often, because we only have meetings one-on-one, don't we, with people? Correct. And actually, most of our team meetings, we do hold, you know, let's get it right, we hold an all-hands team meeting. We actually do it using Teams. Yeah, exactly. And we don't even make people come to the office. But like we say, we've got the flexibility to do that. A lot of businesses don't. Then yeah. it talks about ha- hacking back your smartphone. So I'm going to tell you something interesting here. Yep, go on. I actually thought as I read this yesterday, okay, I'm going to do it. Okay. How did it go? Well, the first thing is... It, he talks about removing. So he says, the first step to managing distraction on our phones is to remove the apps we no longer need. Yeah. So that took me a while. Actually, there's a lot of apps I didn't use. Then he talks about replace. Purging my unused apps was easy, but because saying goodbye to apps I never used didn't invoke an emotional response. However, the next involved removing apps I loved. For instance, like I found myself checking Twitter, Facebook, YouTube on my phone when I plan to spend time with my daughter. And so what he talks about there is actually um, finding the best time and place to do those things. So that's about setting time. I know you, for example, diarise time to go on Facebook and be sociable. And then he talked about rearranging. I have to say, rearranging my apps took about 45 minutes right. to tidy up my phone. Yeah, you've seen the face of my phone, haven't you? To tidy my phone took about 45 minutes. I've got one screen phone, that's it. Well, my phone's now a two-screen phone. And based on this methodology, which he calls primary tools, aspirations, and slot machines, I just split it into primary tools and sort of aspirations. Do you know what surprised me when you talk about phones, actually, is he doesn't mention the iPhone. No, he's or, just talking about or, or, phones. 
Jones. Well, he oh, can't. Oh, sorry, he doesn't mention the watch, sorry, the iWatch. He or does, it's his watch. It's his oh, is it? Yeah, it's mentioned here. Because you talk about external triggers. I mean, I've well, never owned one, but... You know on. I have. I mean, that was just driving you mental. That's why I never bought one, actually. The whole premise of the Apple Watch... Is to make you look at your phone. Is to make you look at your phone. Yeah, and I never got one for that and very to reason. make you look at it. And to take you away from being successful in life. But you see so many people... And I have owned one. It is currently sat, battery drained, on my side at home, on the in, the, in my bedroom. Right. And it will never be worn again. It will be taken to computer exchange. Really? You dislike it that much now? Just... If you want a heart rate monitor, there's just so many other... I nearly got one for a heart rate monitor, because I've, I've into a bit of running and that kind of stuff. If you want a heart rate monitor, there's millions of other bits of kit you can use. You know, get an Aura Smart Ring or something. Just, it delivers no... Oh, I, I can see how far I am away from the hole on the golf course. Buy a separate golf GPS. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, that's me, you know it is, yeah. Absolutely. Buy a separate golf GPS. Oh, I can get text messages when I'm in the pictures. Turn it off. I'm surprised it, it doesn't mention it, 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 it is a total distraction machine designed for nothing other than to distract you from being successful in life. Well, I think they probably designed it for other reasons, but no, it probably... That is never the sole premise of the Apple Watch is to own a part of your brain. So, and the, and the last one then is he talks about um, reclaim and he talks about push notifications. Ah, oh, well, you and I have been big on this for ages and, and one, of the, one of the first things I often say to a new colleague is turn off all the notifications on your machine. Yeah, 100%. It's stopping you from It annoys me the outreach. Every time I log into it, it says, you should enable push notifications. No, and I, I cross it every no, time. No, thank you. I'd prefer not to. It's just, I think it's nuts that. I have notifications turned off everywhere. I didn't need yeah, to. me Literally, too. Literally, I'm a very hard man to notify other than for telephone calls. So, so, and what I did do was actually, I, the other thing I did to my phone, which I think is interesting and I'll, I'll, I'll pass judgment until next week, is um, I put, uh, there's an app, a way on your Apple phone of basically turning off certain apps during the day. That's cool. So you create an extra step where you have to override the switch off. So for example, Instagram, Facebook. So basically between the hours of 6am and 7pm, I can't use Instagram, Facebook. I just don't look at it actually. But no. But it's there. Chapter 19, hack back your desktop. Now, I always think it's interesting when you look at people's different desktop And pieces. how much of a mess they are. Yeah. I don't have anything on mine. No, mine's pretty tidy. I have pictures of my kids and occasionally ones of my wife, but not many, obviously. It just messes with your mind. Yeah, yeah. It messes Absolutely. with your mind. And, all, and again, you look at people, sometimes you look at people working and they don't realise. What's amazing is how unconscious people are of how distracted they've become. But I'm surprised that people are so deaf to become that distracted. How, but they do. But how don't they look at it? And, and they sat there and this thing comes up, Outlook, new email, Outlook, new email. Well, this email, is particularly Outlook, about desktop notifications because I think when you look at your desktop, I mean, you, we've just had this conversation actually because I, I I only use web browsers. So I don't have any, I don't use any apps on my computer You can have desktop control. notifications from the browser though, can't you? But you've just got to do a lot off. harder to see. Yeah. Chapter 20, hack back online. Online articles. Oh, I did I miss the word articles off it? Yes. <laughs> That's funny. So what he basically says is if, if the internet had a voice, I'm fairly certain it would sound like HAL 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey. What he's talking about in this chapter is, and I, I don't know if you read many online articles, Bryce. No. So it's probably not that relevant an article to you. He basically talks about using an app called Pocket, which I've used for years. So the idea of Pocket, you know, 
or Instapaper, or even just sometimes using something like Evernote is, if you see an article online, rather than being distracted by it, you just throw it into Pocket. Oh, I mentioned Pocket, yeah. No, I don't. I don't, I don't and you just throw it into Pocket or Evernote or Instapaper. Look, I've read, I never read articles in my browser. To read, I don't. So it's, but I've habitually... Oh, an app called Pocket sounds good. Pocket's great, pricey. It really is. Because then what you do is, on a, what I do on a Saturday morning is I get up, I have a cup of tea, I read The Economist, and then I catch up with sort of my weekly reading of stuff I want that I thought was interesting during the week. And it all Sounds comes all right. it all, all in one place. And sometimes I'll clip YouTube videos or articles or books that I fancy reading and I tag them books to read. So I've always got a list of books to read or whatever. And that's actually really useful. And it is interesting because I think a lot of people do get distracted. For example, on LinkedIn, they see an article, they see a piece, and before they know it, They've sat there and read some article by some idiot. I think LinkedIn, LinkedIn's about, I put, I, I put this, I think we're on, yeah, we're chapter 21, Hackback Feeds. Yeah. And, and uh, I put about, because LinkedIn, I mean, I look at LinkedIn, obviously I need to. And I am a man of an iron will. And even I sometimes scroll down LinkedIn. And I scroll, I think, what am I doing? What, what, so and I just think to myself. well designed. I think to myself, why have I done that? Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm proper, I'm proper, I've got to the stage now with uh, LinkedIn where sometimes I hold up my day book before I go on it. <laughs> and I only search the person's name that I want to think, just don't look at it, Mike. <laughs> and I, properly, that's how because it gets and, and I'm not, I, I too will make a confession here. Sometimes I go into LinkedIn to search for somebody. Forget what you've gone for. And a minute later, I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> it's mad. It just owns your brain. Just crazy. It crazy. really is like science fiction stuff. It's like something off that TV show, Black Mirror is LinkedIn. Oh, it's amazing. Um, more so, it's more powerful actually than Facebook in that respect. I never well, get you got, lost well, you in got a... More, you got more contacts, haven't you? Yeah, I never get lost in a Facebook hole. You've got more contacts, they've got more data so they can target you more effectively. Yeah. I never get lost in a Facebook hole, but it's easy to get lost in a LinkedIn now, hole. Now, what I've put here, because we're coming to the end, and what, end of this Just part. explain how he's talking about hacking back feeds here. I didn't really read it. So what he's saying is you, there are different things you can use. For example, there are browser extensions, for example, where it'll just clear away all the distraction. Yeah, I don't... Like I, did, block, I, block I didn't bother with that. I just, I just... Do you know what I think the best one is? Be aware of the fact that LinkedIn is inside your... Yeah, brain. yeah, yeah. Just got to be conscious and mindful. It's now, mindful. what I've put, because we're getting to the end of this part, actually, is... My, my one... Well, one of our many criticisms of his book, actually, but it's a good book. I want to you know, reiterate that is... I think that, that he stifles creativity, to Why? be honest. You've got a time box. You've got to only do stuff when you can do it. You can't look outside of those parameters. And I think that stifles creativity. I think sometimes creativity is driven by you having, or, or people, not you, because we're not Space. inventors, but just people thinking about things and looking at something and thinking, I wonder about that. I wonder what that's all about. I wonder what that means. Now, what Nir is going to say, is going to say, yes, but you can only do that between 6.30 and 7. I think that's probably the case, but I reckon if we met Albert Einstein... He'd say, go for a walk. Or Leonardo da Vinci. Well, well they'd both say, go for a walk. But I don't they think... They were walkers, da Vinci and Einstein. But you, know, to me, but you get my point, though. Go for a walk in nature. You get my point, though, but creative. they would let their mind drift a little bit more than this. This is all very stifling of creativity, I think. Mm. It's no surprise that he writes, um, that he doesn't write fiction. That's why, do you think J.K. Rowling sat there surfing LinkedIn? I reckon she started getting stone surfing LinkedIn, yeah. <laughs> J.K. Rowling can sue us as well. <laughs> I'd rather not. She'll have deeper pockets than we <laughs> would have right now. But you know what I mean? Did, did, did she, 
It's, and I've never been a writer, and I'm, I'm not a creative person. Let's be 100% clear about this. But I sort of think that I expect creative people not to be quite so constrained by time boxing and by I have made you write film schools. That's fairly creative. I mean, that's deeply creative shit, isn't it? Yeah, well, you think He so, actually really? writes film schools and TV ads and, like, music for TV shows and stuff. We should ask him. I know exactly what he does. What does he, he do? gets up at six in the morning, he goes to the gym... He walks into his studio at 7am and he sits and works all day. And he makes himself work. But it'd be interesting to see how easily distracted he was. Well, in he, other he forms will of allow life. his mind to one... He'll allow his mind to one... Has he got kids? Part. He does now, yes, he is a father. So his kids, how old are his kids? Let's say the baby. 10, it doesn't matter. Good. So, he's got one baby. So he's got a baby. So, so she's going to be... So in five years' time, she's going to be five. So your mate, Bill, he's sat there with his five-year-old daughter... Yeah, doing knocking a jig- on the door. They're doing a jigsaw, doing a jigsaw, whatever. Well, the daughter will be dancing and playing the piano. But, uh, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Ice cream van goes past. Yeah. Does he say, no, 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 I'm concentrating on you? Or does he go, oh, that's interesting. I'm just going to go and listen to that. I like I think he does the sample la- that. I think he does the latter. Yes, his mind is spacious. Whereas Nair would say, no, 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 you're with your daughter, you're with your daughter, you're with your daughter, you're with your daughter. All these great inventors... Do they sit there and go, no, I'm with my daughter, I'm with my daughter, I'm with my daughter. Oh, I think I've just thought of a way. There's a guy in the paper today, actually, who's who's invented a super-duper car battery that you can go 1,500 miles on. And rather than it be stuck in your car, when your car batteries run out, you just go to the supermarket and swap it. Yeah, you swap them out. Brilliant idea, that. Yeah, that was always meant to be the idea with but the point is, cars. Is, rather than charging the batteries, you swap them out. Great idea. Well, I never thought of it. But the point is, is he sat there with his daughter, only concentrating his daughter with that guy, or does he see somebody go past in a Tesla and think? And then two minutes later he goes, what were you saying? And I think Nier's thing just stifles, potentially stifles creativity, I think. It would be the int- concept of total deep work. Total deep work. But Nier would say, undistracted. and we'll have Nier on the show, and as we always say, well, I'm going to talk to you about the, it. the authors come up with... I'm not criticising them, let's be clear. I think that he will say, um, but actually what you should do is schedule that brain idling time. Yes, but that doesn't. That, but that's my point. What if the input that's going to create your creativity isn't in your brain idling time time box? Nir's saying ignore it. I don't think that's real life. I don't think that's what happens. I don't. I tell you, I think what happens. You do this point with JG thing. Yeah. I bet you write something down after you've spoken to a candidate. Sometimes. Candidate will say something. Oh, of course right I think, oh, there's an episode of Bank with JG in that conversation in and of itself. And I go straight into an note and throw it in there. Correct. Tag, tag APWJG. Correct. And then when I come to sit down and actually write an episode but, of Bank with JG, the idea is there. But Nurse saying, you've opened up Evernote, you've waited 10 minutes. He's saying I've been distracted. Yeah. So, but anyway, part four. But have a bit. Of, yeah, okay, yeah. Part four is about pacts and pre commitments. I do like this. I'm a massive fan of it. You know, we've, we've said it before. I've done it anyway. Um, it's almost like, what he's almost saying is you make what they call effort pacts. Yes. And they give an example of these two guys that had this thing on Shark Tank that got very well funded, which was basically a product where you put your Oreos in it. God, it's and it didn't, ridiculous. And it didn't open until a certain time. I just thought, come on, just don't eat them. Have you ever read a thing about Pomodoro technique? No. The Pomodoro technique is the idea being is that you do work in bursts of 25 minutes. Okay. And effectively, you put the Pomodoro timer on and you do not stop for anything. Nuclear war, death, you do not stop. It's sort of the basic premise. 
and that you work in Pomodoros. So if you do 10 Pomodoros a day, you've effectively had a very productive day or 15 Pomodoros. Sounds like a good idea. It's great. And actually, I have done it at times where I've been struggling to focus. You see, I think that's really cool because that's an effort pact. Well, you're saying to yourself, right, it's 25 minutes. And if you stop the Pomodoro, if you get distracted, you have to start the Pomodoro again. And he's talking about, for example, this app here, Forest, which interestingly does it in 25 minutes. Oh, and is this page 23? So prevent distraction with effort packs. Because there is a bit where actually the the audiobooks are out of sync with the book book. Is it? Yeah, yeah. So I put here, ridiculous chapter. They put (laughs) treats into a container. They put what? They put their treats into a container. Yeah. There's a self-control app. (laughs) What? Surely, self-control is a muscle is a is a muscle like any other. Don't work it; it gets weaker. Yeah, sure, self-control. You know, he says no, in pre- he says in previous generations, social pressure helped us stay on task. Before the invention of the personal computer, procrastinating at our desks was obvious to the entire office. Reading a copy of Sports Illustrated or Vogue, or recapping the details of our long weekend while on the phone with a friend sent clear signals to our colleagues we were slacking off. In contrast, few people today can see what we're scrolling through or clicking on while at the office. That's why we put subtitles on Book Club. So people can read it at the desk. Yeah, hell yeah! But I just think this is amazing. I think he's gone a step too far for me now with all these different bits of technology control in his life and not letting him eat his own. this one here, Focusmate, which is an app where basically you go on it, you go on Focusmate and basically you make a pact you're going to work for the next 40 minutes. And you have to sit opposite somebody. And that I've got to watch you work and you're going to watch me. No, we're both both on screen so we can both look up and go. Now actually, there's a really interesting one here um, which is... uh, I used an app for a while out of pure interest called Habitica. And Habitica is a social app that's based on like a Dungeons and Dragons type game, right? Where basically you give yourself rewards for completing tasks, which gives you points and XP and you level up your character. And I've got to say, you know, most people on Habitica are software developers and proper nerds. And as you know, I'm a bit of a nerd. Very nerdy. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool, actually. It's a shame that they've not got any more funding to develop it to the nth degree it needed because it needed a lot of integration via Zapier with other applications to really make it sing from a, a, a motivational perspective. But it is really cool. And you know what? That kind of effort packs. And what happens is you get together with a group of people and go on a quest. Right. And everybody has to be productive as hell to win the quest in their own jobs. And actually, it's a very clever idea. And you could see how actually, you know, in one of these sort of WeWork software development style environments, that yeah. might get a few it might, I mean, yeah, developers yeah. working. It might. But, I mean, I'm you not know, as a salesman, do you really need to? No. Just get on your phone. Well, You're getting paid loads. Get on with it. I mean, I, I, he says that, that Apple and Microsoft are adding effort packs to their OSs. I just think that's unbelievable. Well, it must be, it must be correct. But but there's another technology that he doesn't mention here called Beeminder which is really interesting. Now, Beeminder, you go on and effectively you, you, you gamble with real money on your effort and your output. Wow. So you make effort packed and price packs with real dirty cash to do real stuff. But you do as a salesman anyway. Of course you do. You make it, you... As a salesman, you make it a price packed anyway. 100%. If I don't succeed, I'm not going to earn the money I aspire to. Unless obviously you don't aspire to it. I think a lot don't. <laughs> Loads don't almost, we know how many, we, we know there's a percentage of salespeople that are quite happy to live on the basic salaries. But so, there are those that don't. Well, there's plenty that don't. 
Chapter 24. Prevent distraction with price packs. Is that what we've just been talking about? Yes. Because I was just listening to you with all this And apparently, technology. psychologically, the concept of a price pack, apparently it's massive, the, the impact of it. So he said here, his example, he was going to burn $100 if he didn't go to the gym. I've put in massive capital letters, I will not be doing this. <laughs> yeah, if you are doing this, you take know, a long, hard look at yourself. You find it easy to go to the gym, Mike. No, so do I, I don't find it. That's just, a, that's, just a, that's just a lazy excuse other people use. I get this all the time from like my mates and stuff. Like my mate, I'm not going to mention the names because they might listen to it. But the guy, you always, well, it's, e- it's easy for you, Mike, you know, because I'm away a lot. And I said to one of my mates, That's just rubbish. And my mate, he's away a lot. You know, he's away a lot, no doubt about it. He's away th- three weeks out of four. £36, Mike. Suspension trainer for your hotel room. Correct. That's my point. Well, actually, if you're a bit cash strapped for a tenny, you can buy yourself a 10 kilo resistance band with a handle. Or what you could do is you could go for a jog in a circuit from your hotel. Or just jog up and down on spot. Every night. Utter nonsense, the whole, I'm away so I can't get to my posh David Lloyd gym. And he also, Shut up! And he also says, says, well, it's quite difficult when you're eating out. <laughs> so why? It's always more difficult. No. I said, why? Don't they serve healthy food? Do they not serve veg in most restaurants? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, so, you know, like with your salmon, uh, you know, with, with, with your meal, why don't you have salmon and, and veg? Well, it's not on the menu. And this guy stays in nice hotels. Said, Where well, there is a gym. Well, there's a gym, yeah, absolutely. So well, why don't you ask him for one? And I'll tell you why he doesn't ask him for one, because he's lazy. Yes. But he's not a lazy person. He works longer hours than bloody anybody else I've ever met. But and painful. that's our point of going, oh, I've got about $100 on the no, wall. No, but that's coming back to the basics of external triggers and internal triggers. Well, that's and true. And pain. That's true. And pain. Now, I've put here why price packs won't work. Why? Um, is that part of the book or is that me whining about no, it? No, he says that there are certain instances where price packs don't work. Oh, right, good. I thought it was just me whining on about For the example, book. they're no good for people who beat themselves up, he said here, and they're not good at changing behaviours with external triggers. Oh, yeah, that that's what I thought. You can't exchange the external trigger. Only for short tasks. Not good for writing a book and the scary. Yeah, and then for me, the re- this is the most interesting one because you know this is a pet topic of mine. Chapter 25. Preventing distraction with identity packs. Yeah, you know, I hadn't... So you know this is a real pet topic for me. Well, go on then. Okay, so you know I have a big thing about identity. You always ask when you're interviewing people what what they are. Uh, I I think that you can pretty much spot... If I did a... uh, uh, If I got a group, sat them all in a circle, like an AA meeting or whatever, and said, okay, so if I asked you what you did for a living in a pub, what would you say? Um, And you can always... You'll get one guy and he'll say, well, I'm a trusted advisor... I'm a consultant. And then, and then you'll get another guy say, well, I help our clients improve outcomes by delivering cybersecurity technology. And then you'll get another guy who sat there going, oh, shut up, I'm a salesman. I'll bet you anything that the one that the, says he's a salesman sells more than the other two. Well, you can tell the salesperson straight off the bat. You, don't, you only ask it of the question where you know the answer is going to be one or two, actually. Because you can tell a salesperson straight off. Yeah, I often don't have to ask. You don't have to ask. You only ever ask it to validate it in your yeah, own mind. The, the ones, uh, and, and I have a real thing with this. It's interesting. I was talking and to what's, what's fascinating for me about this particular chapter is he talks about identity pacts, about saying, for example, talking about, I, I am indestructible. Yes. And actually having the identity of an indestructible person. You, have, you for example, Michael, have an, an identity that is indestructible. 
I'm indestructible. I am a focused person. That's part of your identity. It's quite a bit part of mine. But if I take a salesperson that refers to himself, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a trusted advisor. I provide wise counsel for clients. To I admit, get your point. They're going to be easily distracted anyway. But, they're distra- but they don't get distracted by LinkedIn or email. They get distracted by topics and conversation and stuff. So I was talking to a fellow the other day. I had to make him rewrite his CV because his CV basically didn't say he was a salesman. But then when I actually got to the bottom of it, what was fascinating was that he's basically head cook and bottle washer in this business, but he carries a target. I know the candidate. He's a proper salesman. No, he's not. This guy's oh, not. a different one, is it? it must this be a different guy's one, not. Then. He carries a target. He's head cook and bottle washer in this business. You name it, he's involved in it. But his employers leave him to it because they like, they're almost laughing their heads off at him. They're sat there going, well, he's delivering three, four hundred grounds worth a year of business. He's managing projects. He's doing marketing. He's making sure operations are delivering. And we're only giving the geezer 55 grand a year. Mm. But actually, if his identity was a salesman, he'd turn around to his employers and he'd say, listen, fellas, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. And I ain't doing that because I'm not earning my £100,000 a year that I aspire to. Mm. You're absolutely right. So the whole concept of an identity pact, I find for us as sales recruiters, a very interesting topic because I think that a lot of people are distracted by things that we don't actually necessarily identify as distractions based on identity. Johnny, you could have written that chapter. That's a great comment. Great comment. That's the end um, of part... Uh, end of. Oh, well, that's the, well, that's the end of part four, actually. Yes. So we're now into part five. And we are into part five, which so means we're the end of this absolutely scintillating show. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all next week for the next part. Goodbye. Bye.